All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Of the Daily Face Off Show, Tyler Yaremchuk filling in for Frank Saravalli alongside Mike McKenna, who was looking great last night at the Flyers alumni game. Mike, I loved the setup. And that highlight of you making the the sprawling cross crease save, unbelievable! How you feeling this morning? I'm, uh, you know what? I'm not even sore. My my knee hurts, uh, but I'm gonna survive. Uh, uh, you know, what they didn't show last night was Scotty Upshaw potting a hat trick on me and Joffrey Loophole just burying one tease from the side. I was under siege for the entire first and second periods. Somehow battled through it. Uh, but it was really fun. We had almost 6,000 people there to watch an alumni game in Philadelphia. It was really, really cool. And like you said, man, what a thrill. Tell 12-year-old Mike, God, I just referred to myself in the third person. But anyway, tell 12-year-old me that you're going to have the chance to stop Eric Lindros in a game. Even if it's an alumni game, I mean, John LeClaire, like, it was super cool, man. I had a blast, but I, I am feeling it. I'm going to be kind of hobbling my way through the airport in a couple hours. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right, let's dig into some big stories from around the NHL. Let's put two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and head out to Ottawa, where yesterday the NHL announced that the next three games for the Ottawa Senators will be postponed due to their COVID-19 outbreak. And they got 10 players in COVID protocol, Mike, but they were playing games with as many as eight guys, I believe, in that COVID protocol as well. The timing on this, does it sit well with you? Do you think the NHL should have done something earlier? Should they have tried to, you know, just bring up more guys from Belleville? How do you think the NHL's handled this? 
Well, I appreciate them sticking it out and trying to play. You know, I, I think that you have a roster. I mean, you have up to 50 contracts for a reason, so you can call people up. That, but you have to figure in as the health consequences. You know, mm-hmm. are we exposing people to to greater spread of COVID-19 from the other teams? That's the bigger factor. But I really appreciated the league continuing to play. Now, I look at this from the Senators' standpoint, and it really wasn't their impact players that were out. But I do think that they were looking from a competitive disadvantage. I think that the Senators are thinking, man, how are we ever going to win games now that we're missing eight or nine players out? And there's an added layer to this, I think, from the Senators that this is, again, just me projecting a little bit here. But there's an internal cap to the Senators. Right now, with all the players that they've had to call up, they're almost six or $7 million up on their payroll for the season. That's a real factor, I think. So uh, I think you're looking at them going to the league and saying, hey, we can't play here, guys, because one, we don't have a full roster on the ice of what we consider our best players. But two, we're bleeding money here in a world where mm-hmm. we've bled a lot of money in the last two years. So uh, I think the league handled it the right way. I think you have to try to play as long as you can until you get to that tipping point where you're really concerned about spread of COVID-19 not just within a team, but also going uh, across locker rooms and going to the other team. You don't need the whole league coming down with it at once. If you can contain it, that's good. Yeah, and here's to hoping that they have contained it now and things start to get better for the Senators because what's coming up next for them, and this is where the concern is for me, their next scheduled game now after these three that are postponed is Monday the 22nd in Colorado. Then after that, they have to go through California for three games, Mike. And with Ottawa being a Canadian team, the border could present an issue an issue there as well if they have some guys still in limbo like i'm worried this might stretch even longer yeah and you know what i'm thinking man just think about this team being in COVID protocol a lot of players then you got to go play a mile up in denver like they're gonna get smoked Mm -hmm. man like there's there's a really good chance of that like it's no guarantee you come back with full legs out of COVID. like it's not easy to do we've seen that across the league so i think there's real concern with ottawa i mean this season's gone sideways and now it's it's going to be really tough for them to recover and we saw last year how a, how a COVID delay like this could impact a team as they come back and, and start to eventually get healthy. Uh, the other storyline coming out of this is what it could mean for the NHL's participation in the Olympics. Back in September, Frank Saravalli had a story where he talked with Bill Daly, and Bill Daly said only, it only takes one game to trigger the ability mm-hmm. for the NHL to opt out of the Olympics. And the quote from Daly was, any material disruption to their season puts the Olympics in jeopardy. And for me, as someone who is really excited to see best-on-best hockey again, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm feeling kind of nervous. Are you nervous about the NHL and the Olympics as well, Mike? I don't feel the nervousness right now. But I think there's an underlying causation for me to think that there should be. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm in purgatory right now considering this. Like, I, you've got one team that has got games rescheduled in Ottawa. Now, that does affect other clubs. You've got to move the schedule around Uh, The games that have been postponed, you do have to factor that in. I think that we're going to have to see two, three, four teams postponing and shifting games around to really make the NHL look at the Olympics and go, we just can't go there. Because what they're trying to do is keep the season within the allotted time frame. And that Olympic break is useful when you're starting to move games around if you have to utilize it. So I'm not nervous yet, but I'm a little concerned. I think that there is that chance, and obviously now it has triggered uh, the ability for the NHL to change things. I think they understand the importance of this to the players and to the world in general. I think the NHL knows they need to be at the Olympics uh, from what they've promised, what they've talked about in the CBA. But is it going to happen? We're going to see. I think we need to see teams stay healthy for that to go. 
Yeah, and and I think that's a big thing too to use the you know tired baseball analogy. This feels like strike one, and you mentioned mm-hmm. it. It's not just Ottawa, right? You have three other teams now who have a game bumped. Okay, well, if there's strike two and there's a team in the Western Conference, all of a sudden there's four Western Conference teams that need to have games rescheduled. Mm-hmm. Then you flip it again. If that third team happens, you could be sitting there, even though it's only three teams with COVID issues, you could have as many as 12, 13, 14 teams at that point who need games rescheduled. So I think that's where this thing would start to get real sticky. This Senators one feels like it has everyone on edge a little bit, but if we get a second and a third team, then I think we're looking at the Olympics really being in jeopardy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're looking at this now, like Ottawa's basically back to COVID protocol from last season. Stay home, don't go anywhere. They're doing, trying to do workouts in their apartments. <laughs> you know, like they're, it just isn't working for them. Uh, it, it's, this is a tough route. Uh, and I think if anything, it's shown like, you know, we know how the science is working now. Vaccination is, is keeping people out of hospitals. It's keeping people from dying at a better rate than what it was before, but it's not really helping mm-hmm. spread. So uh, we're going to see how this plays out. Hopefully teams can stay healthy and it's still on the players. They still need to be smart. You know, you can't just go do whatever yeah. you want in life. Like you still have to pay attention to this world and, and how COVID spreads. It's still out there. Let's get to some big stories on the ice as well. And I find myself right now, at least once a day, bringing up the standings page and staring at the Metro division and going, wow, this is not what I thought it would look like a month into the season. You got the Islanders at the bottom. You got teams that we all kind of thought would be bad in Philly and, or not Philly, sorry, New Jersey and Columbus. We thought they'd be at the bottom. Well, both those teams are off to great starts this year, Mike. So my question is, you look at this standings page, which one of these teams is the biggest positive surprise for you in the Metro? I'm really surprised by the Devils. I I watch that team play and I think, man, like they got it together. This is a team that, you know, I think a lot of us pegged them to be on the rise. We thought Jack Hughes was going to have a huge year. He's going to, or at least a better year, a growth year. Well, he's only played a couple games and he played well in them, but he's not driving the boat for the Devils. They are really rolling right now on diverse scoring. They've got six players with nine or more points. Okay. That's a, that's a lot of the lineup to be getting that from. They don't have a true superstar. Um, but you look at the players that they brought in. Dougie Hamilton comes in from the Carolina Hurricanes on that big free agent deal. Well, he's got nine points in 11 games as a defenseman in the National Hockey League. Four of them on his points are on the power play. Hamilton has done exactly what the Devils needed. P.K. Subban wasn't carrying the mail on the PP as expected. You know what, though? Subban's actually been good this year. He's had a bit of a resurgence season if he can stay out of the box and, and avoid yeah. slew-footing anybody else. He's got seven yeah, points in 14 say, games. Yeah. Uh, but but what's impressive about the Devils to me is like they're a pretty middle-of-the-road team in goals for and goals against, which isn't a bad thing. Okay, 41-4, mm-hmm. 40 against, puts them in the middle. It's been their five-on-five play driving the boat. Their power play isn't that good. Uh, so they've been really strong five-on-five. I really love Andreas Johansson. Uh, I remember playing against him in the American League and losing to him in the Calder Cup Finals when he was with the Toronto Marlies, and I thought their best player. He's playing at the rate I expected, but the wild card there, I think, is Dawson Mercer. This kid is rapidly climbing uh, in the Calder Calder point totals for rookies. Uh, He's going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. 11 points in 15 games. He's third in rookie scoring. This kid's he's riding the wave, dude. 20-year-old Newfoundlander. I love this kid. He's exciting. For me, I'm going with the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team that I think, never mind the short term, but the long term, they needed a new core to emerge there Mm. in Columbus, Mike. And that's exactly what they're getting. Look at the guys who are having success on this team. Boone Jenner, the newly named captain, he's off to a fantastic start this season. He's signed long term. Zach Wierenski, he's played 24 minutes or more in 12 of their 13 games. He signed long-term. Elvis Merzlikens is looking like a legit number one, signed long-term. Yes. Cole Sillinger, great start. 12th overall pick, under team control for a long time. 
this Columbus Blue Jackets start is great for them in the short term because they're staying competitive. But I think long-term wise, this is giving me a much more positive outlook on the future of the Jackets. Let's flip this around though. Let's look at some teams that are off to slow starts in the Metro. And I mean, slow starts are turning into concerning starts because we're almost 20% of the way through the season here, Mike. When you look at that standings page again, which one of these teams are you looking at and going, oh boy, they're in trouble here. They might not be able to turn this thing around. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a team that I think people looked at at the start of the year and went, wow, look at how they're playing when they're missing all their players, the mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and I understand that they've had troubles with that. They've had Crosby out of the lineup, Malkin out of the lineup, Rust has been out, Gensel's been out. You can go down the list. They started off okay, but the bottom line is the Penguins have five wins this year. They've managed to find ways to lose games in overtime and shootouts where you just need to pick up points. And it's a moral thing. Like, you need to feel good about yourself in the locker room. You don't have that when you win five games. Uh, and, and I look at this team right now, and they've they've allowed six goals against in their last two games. Against Washington, okay, take that. But against Ottawa, allowing six goals, that's worrisome. They've, they're 5-5-4. Five, five, and four. They've allowed the eighth most goals against in the league. They're too loose. They're getting smoked five on five. The power play, terrible, 8%. Now, that, of course, goes along with not having your top guns in the yeah. lineup. I understand that. I get that. But, man, you got to have more than 8%. The PK's been pretty good. They're also not getting great goaltending lately. Tristan Jari started off really well. He's been on a Denver downward trend. And Casey DeSmith, he's struggled in his three starts this season. So I don't like where Pittsburgh's at right now. We always expect them to come up at the end of the year because they always manage to find a way. But I'm worried about them right now. And that division is just looking so competitive that you sit there and go, man, especially in the Bettman point era where teams can drag games into overtime, you're eight points out of a playoff spot at the new year. Like that's a big hill to have to climb. For me, I, I want to talk about the Islanders here, a, a team that's opened the year, I believe they were, either the betting odds favorites to win this division or close to it. And they only have five wins on the season as well. And when you think about the Islanders over the last couple of seasons, you always think of a team that's really good defensively, right? They're going to limit chances at five on five. They're going to get good goaltending and they'll win the game by scoring three or four goals at most. Well, they're not doing very well at five on five either. They're 24th in the NHL in shots against per 60 at five on five. They're getting the goaltending, but they're giving up too many chances. And they only have five wins on the year. The spot where I'll be positive about the Islanders is they haven't played at home, right? They're, they, they're going on this insane long road trip. So you'd like to hope that a home-heavy schedule down the stretch could help them get back on track. But a team that many thought would be contending for the top spot in the division is far from it right now. And that'll wrap up our talk on the Metro Division. And now we'll get to a little Ask Peelzy with Tim Peel. All right, I'm super well, excited to dig into this one because we got the former official and we have the former goalie in Mike McKenna. And uh, Mike, I'm going to let you handle this because you're the guy, but we're going to go in on this Thatcher Demko call from over the weekend because this one was just mind-blowing for me. Oh, and it was for me as well. You know, the ex-goalie union here, happy to bring in Tim Peel. Our first time working together at Daily Faceoff on camera. It's so exciting for me to sit here with one of the faces I enjoyed seeing on the ice. Well, actually, I should say when I was on the bench, when you'd come by and say <laughs> hello, Tim. Uh, this situation with Demko the other evening against Vegas, I watched it happen and I thought, man, there's no way he knocked this net off on purpose. I've been in his shoes. I didn't think it happened that way. I want to know from your standpoint, Peelzy, what you would see on the ice in the moment. What would an official be thinking 
And what was Chris Schlenker thinking when he went and made this call for delay a game against Thatcher Demko? Hey, Mike, good to be with you and Tyler today. The, there, there isn't really a, a short answer to this, and I want to give you a little insight on if I was officiating the game and the mindset of, of an official on the ice. From what I understand, the net came off earlier in the game by Robin Leonard. Um, earlier in this period, Colasar knocked the net off in Vancouver's end. The, the on-ice officials put the net back on. As a referee in a 4-4 hockey game, that was the, if, if Demko, Demko had knocked this net off once before, you know, twice before, but mm -hmm. if he had knocked it off once before and, and Chris came over, Chris Schlankler, who I think is a very good official, if, if he came over and warned Demko and said, hey, if this net comes off again, I'm giving you a delay game penalty. But from what I understand, Demko had not knocked the net off at all prior to this incident. This is the first time this happened. To me, yeah, this is not. To me, this is not a, an egregious knocking the net off because he's feeling pressure. This is a goalie that's hugging the post. You see him there; he's hugging it. He doesn't extend his arm. If he extends his arm like that and knocks it off, but he's simply hugging the post. And I think, as an official on the ice, you need to read that. You need to have a feel for the game, and you under, need to understand the situation that it's a four-four game with 13 minutes to go. And from looking at the replay, it doesn't look like Demko did it intentionally. Yeah, and, and situationally looking at this, there really wasn't a reason for Demko to knock it off on purpose. So many people look at goalies and think that we're constantly doing it just to get a whistle, to stop the play. It wasn't the case here. I can tell you from a goalie's perspective, this is called RVH. This is a maneuver that ha this is a technique that we utilize dozens of times during the game. Dozens. And the net doesn't move. And Tim, you touched on a key point here I want to hit on. When Keegan Colasar knocked the net off just two minutes previous to this, the official came in, uh, the linesman came in, and he put the net back on its moorings. I want to toss this out to you. How would you feel if the NHL decided to keep one of the rink attendants in skates to come out and fix the net anytime it came off? Take the burden off the referees and the linesmen. Put it on somebody else that has expertise in this. They know what to do. They come out with the turkey baster. They make sure there's no snow in the hole. They get the peg in place properly. Do you think that's feasible? Do you think that would help situations like this? No, that's a good point. The the you know we have the uh, the ice people that are that have skates on. I don't think it's unreasonable to have somebody at each uh, uh, by the net at, at each end to possibly come out and fix a situation like this. The only concern that I would have is the time delay in mm -hmm. slowing down the game. Uh, if it takes too long, sometimes you know we have a crack in the glass and it might take several minutes to get their attention down there to bring somebody on the ice. So that's my, that would be my only concern. And, and maybe prior to this game, because, you know, every rink is different every night. And as much as they want to be consistent throughout the NHL, there's going to be nights when the ice just isn't as consistent as it is previous nights with uh, Leonard knocking the net off, Kohler's knocking the net off, then this knocks the net off. Maybe this is just one night where the pegs just weren't put in properly. I got one more for you here, PLZ, and I got to ask you. When Thatcher Demko goes to Chris Schlenker and he's pleading his case, he's emphatic about it. You can tell his blood is boiling that he's being called for this penalty. What would be going through your head? Would you be thinking, 
oh man, I might have screwed this one up? Or do you think, ah, this guy's just being a liar? Like, why, why would he be so perplexed in this situation? What would you be thinking? Yeah, Thatcher Demko, that's a very, it, it's funny you mention that because as soon as I watched the play, I looked at his reaction. And normally when a player knows he's been guilty, he doesn't really act that way, like plead, like you said, pleading with, with, uh, with Schlenkler. So I truly believe that this was just a, an, ac an accident. And maybe Chris I, was in a, a position where he thought it looked intentional. You know, you have to mm -hmm. give the on-ice officials the, the, you know, the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he was on, on, on an angle where he thought that Demko intentionally knocked it off. But clearly, looking at the replay, I would have to side with Demko and, and his reaction that he didn't do this on purpose. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I like Chris Schlenker a lot. I've, I've worked with, with on the ice with him in the American League and in the NHL. I think he's a quality official, but this is one I just think he got wrong. Peelzy, so much. Thanks for joining us today. This has been our latest edition of Ask Peelzy. Great job, buddy. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Take care. Let's jump right into our daily face-off inbox question. You can send them in, hashtag AskDFO for your chance to be featured on the show. And it's been a couple of weeks now since Joel Quenville was out as the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And in that time, Mike, you know, they got points in six of eight. They're three, two, and three. But they only have the one regulation win. They're on a little bit of a losing skid right now. Do the Panthers need to look at a permanent head coach? Or do you think they're okay to keep riding it out with the interim? Well, I think Andrew Burnett's in a precarious situation right now. And, and I understand that they have gotten points in six of eight, but after Joel Quenville resigned on, on October 28th, the Panthers won three of four games. And I'm sure owner Vinny Viola and GM Bill Zito are looking at it going, breath of fresh air, we're fine, we're good. We've got a great team, we're in first place in the division, we're still rolling. And now what's happened, Panthers have lost four straight games. I understand the last two are in OT in a shootout. I also understand that they've had a tough schedule. Okay, they've played Tampa, the Rangers, uh, they've played Carolina, New Jersey, good teams. Mm -hmm. But they've lost four straight. And this is a first place team. And they're built to win. And you can't let that fester. And I think, you know, looking at tonight's game, they're going head to head with the Islanders. And then in two nights, they're going head to head with the Devils. If the Florida Panthers don't win one of these games, if they lose six straight in any form or fashion, I think you're going to see a new head coach in Florida. That's my gut feeling because there's options out there. There's people on the sidelines that can come in and do this job. Uh, and you look at a rookie head coach. I mean, is Andrew Burnett prepared to do line matching? Is he ready to, to handle the intricacies involved? I don't think they planned on Joel Quenville going anywhere in Florida. This wasn't a situation where he had a ton of support and assistant coaches with previous experience as a head coach that could slot right in. So uh, I think it's precarious for Burnett. I think Panthers need to win tonight or at minimum on Thursday against the Devils to keep him in charge. It's a big homestand coming up, and that was going to be my take as well. I think for now, Brunette was on the bench when Quenville was there. It's not like they just brought up an interim from the American League who maybe wouldn't be quite as familiar with the systems, but I agree. If, the, if this homestand coming up here doesn't go their way, they might need to bring in someone else. Let's get to our daily best bets segment now, the part of the show where Frank is usually throwing it to me, 
but now I throw to myself. And we dig into things courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. Busy night around the NHL, but I got a couple of plays picked out here, starting in New York, where the Rangers are hosting the Montreal Canadiens. And the Rangers, big favorites, minus 196 on the money line. The Habs have been a bad road team this year, just 1-6-1. and one. They're expected to be going with Caden Primo between the pipes as well in this one. And that's part of the reason I like this bet is the goaltending matchup you can see right here, courtesy of Daily Faceoff. Once those two are confirmed, I'm going Rangers on the puck line. It's paying out plus 130. The Rangers are 7-2-2 two two in games with Igor Shesterkin, so I like taking them to win by at least two. And the second game I got my eye on, you can see it right there, the Blues hosting the Arizona Coyotes. St. Louis has already beaten Arizona pretty handedly once this season, winning 7-3 back in October. And the Blues are on a bit of a winless streak right now. Three straight games where they haven't picked up a W. Arizona's been better with Scott Wedgwood between the pipes as well. It was a nice waiver pickup by them. But still, I like the Blues to bounce back in this game. And Tuesday nights are a beautiful day to make some money off the Arizona Coyotes. Blues on the puck line at minus 136. Rangers on the puck line at plus 130. And those are your daily best bets, courtesy of PointsBet. And now to wrap things up, I know Frank's tuning in for this one because he loves his garbage time. Mike, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, I think it's just the blatant disrespect to goaltenders by the Hockey <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm saying it. I'm calling them out. And listen, I understand I'm goalie heavy, but that's my pride and joy. That's who I am. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's an absolute joke that some of these guys aren't in the Hall of Fame. You go down the list, the top 15 wins in the NHL and and you know Curtis Joseph isn't in the Hall of Fame. You got Chris Osgood with two Stanley Cups. You got Mike Vernon with two Stanley Cups. You got Tom Barrasco with two Cups and a Vezina. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. They're both top 20 in wins. Like, what's it going to take? You know, you got guys going in the Hall of Fame. We're talking about the Sedin twins going in the Hall of Fame. Great. You know what? They were good hockey players. They're not in the top 10 in wins like a goaltender, like a Curtis Joseph. Like, seriously, what does it take? What's the threshold? You hear this all the time. You need a cup to get in the Stanley. And to get, you need a Stanley Cup to get in the Hall of Fame as a goaltender. Okay, well, I just rattled off three of them. Vernon Barrasso Osgood, multiple cups. Nope, you're not in. They're not good enough. So what does it take? Top 10 and wins? Sorry, Cujo, you lost too many games because you were on some bad teams. I just, I can't understand this. For the position that's considered to be the most critical in playoff time, you can't win without a goalie. We don't get no respect. As the great comedian Rodney Dangerfield so aptly said years ago, I can't get no respect. I firmly believe that there needs to be more goalies in the Hall of Fame. They better induct Roberto Luongo next year. I, I love it. If you want passion, you just get Mike McKenna going on some topic about goaltenders, and you're guaranteed to see some passion. Uh, Mike, it was a ton of fun working with you today. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to the Daily Faceoff Show, for Frank Saravalli and everyone behind the scenes as well. Enjoy your day. I'll be back tomorrow with Steve Greeley. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.